Well, welcome. This is Andale Banks, your host of Wish Upon a Star. Wish Upon a Star is a dynamic radio program spotlighting talent in the arts arena with discussions of the challenges and some advice in making it in the visual, musical, literary, painting, and performance arts. As a unique part of our show, we will interview professional guests experts in the fields of community development programs, entertainment law, copywriting, studio recording, publishing, and promoters. As an extension to our program, we also have a segment called Starlight, Star Bright. And in that extension arm of our broadcast, we will deal with things that are of great interest to society as a whole. As we know today, the major thing that's in the limelight now based on society is health. Health coverage, not only for yourself, for the people who work, for people who are retired, and for our children. So today, we have someone that's going to answer a lot of those questions. His name is Derek Camber. Camper, owner of Ocean Atlantic Marketing Company. Let me give you a little introduction into what we will be discussing today. Before the development of medical expense insurance, patients were expected to pay health care costs out of their own pockets under what was known as the fee-for-service business model. During the middle to late 20th century, traditional disability insurance evolved into modern health insurance programs. But there was one major obstacle to this development, that early forms of comprehensive health insurance were enjoined by courts for violating the traditional ban on for-profit corporate practice. So state legislatures had to intervene and expressly legalize health insurance as an exception to that traditional rule. In the United States, health insurance is any program that helps pay for medical expenses, whether through privately purchased insurance, social insurance, or a social welfare program funded by the government. In a more technical sense, the term is used to describe any form of insurance that provides protection against the cost of medical services. This usage includes private insurance and social insurance programs such as Medicare, which pools resources and spreads the financial risk associated with major medical expenses across the entire population to protect everyone, as well as social welfare programs such as Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program known as CHIP. These all provide assistance to people who cannot afford health coverage. We welcome today, ladies and gentlemen, our extreme expert on this topic, Mr. Derek Camper, president of Ocean Atlantic Marketing Company, and he's going to enlighten us on this ever-changing monumental subject of health care coverage in the United States with primary emphasis on Medicare and Medicaid. 
his biography. Mr. Derek Camper is from Baltimore, Maryland, and attended Baltimore City Public School, graduating from Walbrook High in 1977. He also graduated from Morgan State University in 1983 with a BS degree in physical education. Mr. Camper joined the Air Force Reserves and was a medical service specialist. He has been involved with the health insurance industry for the past 30 years. He has worked for Blue Cross and United Healthcare. Mr. Camper is now president of his own company called Ocean Atlantic Marketing Company. He's a licensed agent for the state of Maryland, Washington, D.C., Texas, and Tennessee. And he's also certified by CSM to market Medicare Part C products in those states. Derek, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Oh, just fine. I'm so happy to have you here because I, too, need to know a lot more about this, even as a retiree. So what I'm going to do is let you just go ahead when I ask the question. You go ahead and tell us exactly what we need to know as being an expert. First of all, how does Medicare work? Okay, great. Great question. And what Medicare is is really just a federal uh, health insurance program that pays a variety of health care expenses. It is administered by the um, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is CMS, a division of the United States uh, Department of Health and Human Services. Medicare beneficiaries are typically senior citizens age 65 and older, but, you know, there are exceptions to that rule because you still have people who are under 65 that can get Medicare if they meet certain medical conditions such as, you know, Luke Gehrig's disease, excuse me, I'm sorry, or qualifying permanent disabilities. And so they may be eligible for the uh, Medicare benefits. Now, um, there are four parts to Medicare, and a, many, a lot of your audience may already be, already be familiar with this, but I'll go over it anyway. Uh, Medicare Part A is covers your hospital insurance. So what that does, it covers inpatient hospital care, limited time in the skilled nursing facilities, limited home health care services, and the hospice care. And generally, there's not a premium to Medicare Part A. If you did, like, 10 years of work and work 40 quarters, generally that is given to you. But in some cases, if people who do not work that many hours, I mean, that many years or quarters, they may have to pay a premium. But for the most part, it's, um, it's given to everybody. Uh, now, there's also Medicare Part B. Now, Medicare Part B uh, covers the non-hospital um, medical expenses, such as, like, doctor's visits, blood tests, x-rays, and diabetes screenings, and supplies, and outpatient hospital care. Now, there is a monthly premium to that, and to that portion of Medicare. You have to pay a deductible as well, too. And um, there's also generally a co-pay of 20% uh, when you go to participating Medicare doctors. Uh, Medicare does uh, pay for full costs for certain things, lab tests, such as screenings, um, like mammograms and those type of things, Medicare Part B will pay for those. And then you also have uh, Medicare Part C. And what Medicare Part C is is your Medicare Advantage programs, and some people in your audience may already have a program like that. 
And what that is is that this insurance often includes every type of Medicare coverage in one health plan, and is offered through private insurance companies contracted with the CMS to provide a Medicare uh, benefit package as an alternative to the original Medicare. Enrolling into a Medicare Advantage plan is optional, but to obtain the private insurance, you must also have the original Medicare Part A and B, and you must also continue to pay the premium on the Part B premiums as well, and also live in the service area of that particular Medicare Advantage program. And then Medicare Part D is your optional prescription program, and usually that's available as a standalone prescription plan or through pri- through private insurance companies. And the monthly fee varies between insurance. Um, you can share, you will share the cost with your prescription drug according to the specific plan in which you enroll, and the cost can include a deductible flat copayment or a percentage of the drug, and called 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 um. Um, co-insurance. So basically, that's what Medicare does. It's a federal empl- uh, program for people who have retired, or generally with the 65 years or older. Okay, Kay, you really took us through that. And um, like I said, I was writing something down, and the only part I, part I got was part eight, and probably the rest of it, I couldn't write fast enough. So you oh, made I'm sorry about that. I could, the end of the show. Never mind, you're going to repeat that at the end of the show. So we can repeat that at the end of the show because I really need to know that. And that's why I'm saying I got caught up into made that part. Right. The, I think the part I got uh, confused when I was retiring because the people there where I retired from didn't know anything. So I'm asking right. now, explain to us, do I need Medicare Part A and B if I'm still working? It all depends on your situation. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. In a lot of cases, if you're still working and getting health insurance, <coughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, you um, may want to talk to your benefit administrator at your job. <coughs> I'm so sorry. Um, That's okay. Go get, a, go you, get I, a, I can take a break when you want to get a drink of water. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. Doug, let's take a 30-second, 30 35-second break, and then we'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Right. Let's get loose. This trick. Yeah. That, that, that. What up, y'all? I just came yeah. to your city to say what's up. What up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Show me love. Show me love. Hey. Uh, hop off the plane to a new show what up? And all the shorties, they be waiting on me Thugs packing they pistols But ain't nobody aiming on me Got a pocket full of fresh dough So you know I gotta bake it, homie And I'm thankful Get whatever you want Good evening and thanks for listening to Wish Upon a Star We just took a little uh, break We're broadcasting on BBS radio.com station one you can also listen to previous broadcasts in our archive link at bbsradio.com forward slash wish upon a star pound archives hashtag archives we also welcome at our email address any suggestions or things that you recommendations you might want to hear on the program you can contact us by email musicradio34 at gmail.com. You can also streamline our broadcast on any of our 50 affiliate stations at https forward slash bbsradio.com forward slash affiliate partners. 
Again, this is Andell, and we want to welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Derek Camper. Uh, thank you, and I apologize. Oh. I just got a little something in my throat, but anyway. That, that's fine. Um, All right. We can continue. We okay. left off is... Hello? Okay, yeah. And to, um, to answer your question about if you're still working, a lot of times what you want to do is get together with your benefit manager on your job to go over your benefits and find out what the pros and cons are. Now, when you're working at 65, you're still going to get Medicare Part A. That's going to just be given okay. to you. P- Part B is optional. Now, the thing is, is that if you're working and you have benefits, in a lot of cases, there are some people who may want to just delay bene- uh, to Part B. And if that's the case and they got um, health insurance, then they won't get a penalty. But you still want to check with your benefit ma- uh, manager because a lot of times, Medicare may pick up some pro, pick up some costs that your job may not um, cover, so you want to get together with them and see what's your best option. So, um, so that's what you want to do with that. And then when you decide that you're going to retire, you're not going to work anymore, and you don't have your health insurance, you can always get Part B without any um, penalties or anything of that nature. Okay, I'm going to have to talk with you on that offline because I did get a penalty and I couldn't understand why. And matter of fact, I'm still paying it, and I've been out of work for almost what seven or eight years. But let's go on with our interview. Okay, uh, let's start with the, from the beginning again. Is um, do I have to submit the initial enrollment questionnaires online, or can I go to a different outlet. You can actually go to uh, a Medicare field office and do it there if you want to. You can mail it in or you can do it online. Now, of course, online, if you do it, it's a little bit more efficient and um, you would uh, get it processed faster. But if you're not comfortable doing it, by all means, you call the Medicare office or mail it in. You can do it either way. Okay. Right on that same token, where are the medical Medicare initial enrollment questionnaires. Where can I find them? Okay, you, what you can do, you can go to Medicare.gov, okay. and then you can find, and then you can find the information there and the questionnaires there. Now, if you're not online, then you can always call them and they'll mail it out to you. Okay, call who? Oh, Medicare, and I have the number right here. Okay. All right. Now, if you um, need to get need to call Medicare, what you do, you call 1-855-798-2627. Okay. Just for clarification, the number is 1-855-798-2627. Two seven in order to get the questionnaire because a lot of them right and they were more than happy to help. They you may out. be getting ready to retire, and so it's good to have this information beforehand. Right. Okay. What is the Medicare special enrollment period for the work? For okay. The working age? Medicare special enrollment period is this: is that say, for instance, just like we, we were working on, you were um, working in a, in the okay. last scenario. Okay, usually with that, and you retire, then you have a certain amount of time in order to get Medicare 
and also get your Part B. And if you wanted to do like a Medicare Advantage program, you have a certain time to do that, with, generally within six months of retirement. And that's outside the normal Medicare enrollment period because generally that's um, – for Medicare, it's generally from January the 1st to February the 30th. And if you want to do a Medicare enrollment pro, um, Medicare Advantage program, that's generally um, these. Um, that's generally November. I'm, I'm sorry, that's generally October the fifteenth to December seventh. I'm sorry. Okay, good. Again, like <clears throat> I said, I had a little problem with this, and I think this question may have covered what you just said. The period. Um, okay. When I can add Part B to my Medicare, does that is that what's covered in the one you just told said? Right, you'll be under the one. You'll be on a like a special enrollment period if you um, if you retire. Oh, okay, already. Now, can I delay right. Medicare Part B enrollment without paying in a higher premium? Probably. Okay, um, with the Medicare Part B, what happens is is that it is a an optional thing, but if you don't enroll when you're supposed to enroll, you can get a penalty. And what will happen is they will charge you 10% for each year. So, say for instance, you retire, you turn 65 in 2016, and you don't have any coverage, and you're not on a job or anything like that. But you decide you don't want to enroll. So, say for instance, you did it in January the first, and then you wait until um, December uh, 2018 to enroll, well, you get a 10% penalty, which you have to pay permanently. And each year that you are uh, without Medicare, you will get that, that um, you will get an additional 10% penalty. So that's why it behooves you to go ahead and enroll immediately. Okay, suppose you did enroll. Why is that 10%? permanent forever and ever yeah it's just a regulation that they do have i'm not to be honest i'm not really sure why they do it that way i can always look it up and get back to you on that okay but that's the one i wanted to ask you once we get offline because okay sure they're still doing that with me okay i guess that also answers the next question that i had in had in my mind can i drop medicare part b and add it later if i have health insurance yeah, you can do that. And say, for instance, you're a Medicare beneficiary and you want to drop Medicare Part B coverage while you're working and covered by your employer's health insurance, you may do so. And the Medicare Part B comes with a premium, so you won't pay that. And then when you decide to go retire again, you can gain that through the special enrollment period, and you can roll any time without, you know, um, without a um, penalty. Oh, okay. That seems great. What more to do now? Let's take another break. We're going to take a 35-second break, and we'll be right back. Okay.
welcome back. And we have the most important aspect of our show in our segment that we call Spotlight. We were talking about insurance. Many of you already know that that the last president's insurance program was supposed to help poor people with their insurance. But now we find that a lot of that is being cut. So we have an expert with this, Mr. Derek Camper, president of Ocean Atlantic Marketing Company. I just want to read a little something, ladies and gentlemen, that is out there about Americans and health insurance. And it says, that even though different health insurance provides different levels of financial protection and the scope of coverage can vary widely, with more than 40% of insured individuals reporting that their plans do not adequately meet their needs. And this was as late as 2007. Do you have any comment on that, Derek? Um... um. I'm not, I'm not really sure about that yet. I'm still trying to absorb it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what about the share of Americans without health insurance? Yeah. Is now, there a, a percentage t- that you can yeah. relate to? Yeah, and I can tell you that with the individual market, there's a lot of people who still don't have health insurance. And this is not Medicare. This is like below 65 And they need to get something. And right now, the way the current administration did, um, there were certain um, subsidies that people used to be able to get that they're no longer able to get. And sometimes the state will step in and pay those subsidies. But they got rid of the original uh, mandate where everybody had to get health insurance. So now you're going to probably see some of the um, uninsured go up right now. But right now, things... Obamacare is still alive and active in a lot of states, and people could still get the health insurance, and it behooves them to get them. And here in the state of Maryland, they could still get the subsidies. Now, there's only two or three players left in the state of Maryland, and the other states I'm not really sure about. And some there may be one, some there may be three or four, but it still behooves them to get that insurance because they're going to need something. And the state of Maryland will subsidize it depending on what the income is. Okay, well, also under that auspices, did the Affordable Care Act of 2010 help these individuals get health insurance? Where the government yes, they did. As a matter of fact, um, in a lot of cases, the uh, the rate of uninsured went down because of the Affordable Care Act. And a lot of people who ordinarily could not uh, afford insurance were able to get it. And what was good about it, it was portable and also, too, um, people didn't have to worry about um, their rates climbing because of uh, pre-existing conditions. All that went away with the theory that a lot of young folks would get into the insurance and it would be a big pool, just as Medicare is. Oh, okay. A lot of people have been buzzing, and they're looking towards how these other countries have coverage for their citizenry without cost. So, I mean, the buzz is it's a bleak outlook for health care for Americans based on projected high-cost growth and government decreased spending on the national health expenditure. Give us a little background on that, because I think I'm in that category, because they've gone up on my insurance like, mm, unbelievable. Uh, Okay, yeah. 
And here's what happened with the other countries, say like Canada or Germany, they have what you yeah. call socialized medicine or what I could say national health care. And a lot of the premiums come out of their taxes. So in those countries right. there, uh, so if you get hurt or something like that, it's already going to be paid for. They may have some co-pays depending on what, what country that you're in. In the United States, the closest thing that we have to those type of things is Medicaid and Medicare. And uh, a lot of people are now proposing, uh, like uh, Bernie Sanders, that they should make Medicare, and uh, Ralph Ellison from Michigan, that it should make Medicare for all. Of course, it's installed in Congress. Congress doesn't want to do it. And there's a lot of things that, as you know, goes on because a lot of the private insurance may not want to deal with that or a lot of people have philosophical differences between that. So it's still a struggle in that sense that national health care, I think, will eventually come, but it's not going to come anytime soon. Okay. Okay, I don't know if there's a differentiation, but let's say I am a retired federal employee. Do I need okay. to vote in Part B if I'm a retired federal employee? Yeah, that's a good question. And then again, this depends on what your situation is. So this is what I always tell people. Go talk to your benefit administrator. Uh, find out what your retirement includes as far as your health care is concerned. In some cases, you may not need Part B. In other cases, you may need it. And in a lot of cases, what will happen is they'll sit down, talk to you. And in a lot of cases, what will happen is, is that they'll tell you what the federal benefits cover and what they don't cover. And the Medicare, sometimes, keep in mind, might pick up the things that the federal benefits do not cover. So you might want to get it. Then as it varies from agency to agency, what they cover. So you really need to talk to your benefit administrator about that because they will be able to guide you a little bit better than I can because every individual and every agency is a little bit different. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to read another quote from research about uh, health care, and okay. it says national health expenditures are projected to grow 4.7% per person per year from 2016 to 2020,000, I mean, what is that, 2025. Mm -hmm. Public health care spending was 29% of federal mandated spending in 1990. 35% in 2000, and it's projected to be roughly half in 2025. So what they're saying, just what you finished saying, that you check with your health care because you don't know how much you will be spending. And they're talking projecting 2025. Right. So the question yeah, is, at this pace, mm -hmm. does this affect Medicare as well? Because yes, they're saying the government is not going to be paying any more support. Well, I won't say that because I think, and this is just my own personal opinion, uh, as far as Medicare is concerned, I don't think the Republicans or the Democrats or even independents really want to touch it. What they're trying okay. to do, what Obama had tried to do, was to cut the cost of certain procedures and everything. And that's where you see a lot of the growth, a lot of the expense because of the health care costs. So they are trying to contain those costs, not only just with the Medicare recipients, but just health insurance, period. Because, it, it, as you said and you stated in your fact, it does rise and rise and rise. So they're trying to work on ways to cut these costs. Now, we'll say this, and like I said, this is just my own personal preference. Uh, 
is that other countries where you have things like prescriptions and those type of things, they negotiate with these companies. That's okay. If you're going to bring in, say, for instance, uh, a high blood pressure pill, in the United States, mm-hmm. that pill might cost, as an example, 10 to $15 per pill. But let's say we take Canada. They try to enter the Canadian market. They have a healthcare administrator. So, okay, look, you're not going to sell $25 a pill. You know, you got to come up with something better than that. And so they'll mm. work with them to negotiate the price. And that was one of the main things that uh, Part D had a problem with is that the prescriptions, yeah, they gave the seniors prescriptions, but it didn't have the ability to negotiate the prices for them. So that's another way that the United States can help contain costs, but they're not doing it right now. Now, private insurance companies would do that. They do it all the time. And so, but, um, and the government needs to also negotiate on certain things like um, type of procedures and stuff. In other words, if you're going for, as an example, a hip replacement, and I'm just quoting the price. I'm not saying it costs as much, but say the hip replacement, the doctor wants to charge like $5,000. The government should have the ability to negotiate that and say, well, no, not 5000 maybe 2500 And these are the things that they need to do to help contain costs. Right, but I've seen even with some of my bills that I have, and I have a major uh, health problem that is very uh-huh. expensive, and it'll put down Medicaid will pay eighty percent, and I mean eighty percent, and you have to pay the rest. Or Medicaid right. don't want to pay all this. Now, what kind of nonsense is that? Okay, what it is that's mostly coinsurance, and what happens is is that. For instance, and that sounds like Medicare Part B, where they do an 80-20 split. And right. um, that is your coinsurance. A lot of times, Medicare would still negotiate with the uh, doctors because they have certain, a fee schedule. And so what they'll do, to say, for instance, whatever major medical problem, if you didn't have insurance, it would be a lot more than what it is if you had, didn't have Medicare. In your case, what you might want to get, is like maybe a care, a Medicare Advantage program or a Medigap program to fill in those type of gaps. And they have programs out there like that. Now, with the Medicare Advantage programs, there may be some fees that you do pay, but never, it won't, it's not as much as, say, if you didn't have Medicare. With the Medigap program, you do pay a higher premium, but everything is taken care of. So, for instance, if, they're 80, if you have 80%, the, uh, the Medigap will pay that 20%. And they'll pay those fees and deductibles for you while you still have those programs and those type of things. So there are programs out there that help people with that. The thing is, is that uh, sometimes the Medigaps can get a little bit expensive, and then so you you know you will pay out your pocket sometimes. Not all the cases, but in some cases. And then with the Medicare Advantage programs, you do little pay. Um, uh, you literally pay sometimes zero to maybe some type of premium, but you have to stay within the network. So there's some pros and cons to both of them. Absolutely. And we, I've got another quote on that, and I can uh, get in, give an example when we come back. So we're going to take okay. another break, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to get me a glass of water, and we'll be back in 35 okay. seconds. All right.
Good afternoon. This is Andale Banks, your host on Wish Upon a Star, and we are doing one of our episodes on Starlight, Star Bright. And it's a discussion about the health care for Americans through the decades, which is, I think, it's still a great interest to the society as a whole. We want to thank you for listening, and we are broadcasting on bbsradio.com, Station One. You can also listen to previous broadcasts in the archive link at bbsradio.com forward slash wish upon a star hashtag archive. We welcome comments and suggestions for our show at email musicradio34 at gmail.com. You can also streamline the broadcast on any of our 50 affiliate stations at bbsradio.com forward slash affiliate dash partners. We'll return to the questioning with our guest, Mr. Derek Camper, owner of Ocean Atlantic Marketing Company. Welcome back, Derek. Uh, thank you. Okay, just back on the question you had just finished answering about the fact that sometimes we may have to pay out of our pocket if it's that 80-20 doesn't cover on some of the things right. we may get. So what I have picked up on that was today, most comprehensive private health insurance programs cover the cost of routine, preventive, and emergency health care. Hospital and medical expense policies were introduced during the first half of the 20th century. During the 1920s, individual hospitals began offering services to individuals on a prepaid basis, like we said but which eventually led to the development of Blue Cross organizations, the, present, the um, I'm sorry, predecessors of today's health maintenance organizations, or better known as HMOs, which were originated beginning in 1929 through the 1930s and on during World War II. But we all know that has blown out to, I don't know how many other service providers calling Medicare Plus. Now, under the Medicare Plus, my question to you was that I had one, and I don't want to mention it, but it comes directly out of my Social Security. And it has risen over and up and up. Some people I talk to say they don't have a plus. They just stick with Medicaid. But can you do that and still keep your same doctors? Get you out okay, of now, a you, insurance company. Okay, now, it all depends. I don't know your exact situation. Um, with the Medicare Advantage programs, a lot of cases you do have to stay within the network. There are some yeah. fee-for-service programs out there. You have to check with your local state to find out what programs are available. There are some PPO, preferred provider organizations, too, that will allow you right. to go outside the network. So you just have to check. So it all depends on which program that you do get. Now, on the Medigap program, you can basically see any doctor that you want as long as they uh, take Medicare. So those are the 
two major differences. So there are some tight networks, some that may be a little bit looser. And then with Medicare, yes, you can see anybody you want your long day except the Medicare fee-for-service program. I think I ran into that. Uh, now, under the government offices, can they, can a doctor and hospital do that? Not accept you um, as a patient just because you don't have, you know, they don't accept Medicaid? Okay, yeah. The way that works that I'm, I'm, um, is that a lot of doctors will contract with Medicare to take those um, patients. So, yes, a doctor may refuse to take a Medicare patient. That is his right. He can do that if he doesn't want to. Nobody can force him to do that. However, if, say, for instance, they're not contracted by, a doctor, by Medicare, but he decides to take a Medicare patient, he still has to go by whatever the fee for... The, the, the schedule that Medicare has. So, um, yes, a doctor can not can refuse Medicare patients just like they can refuse Medicaid patients. It's really up to them. Hmm. Okay, well, let's go back to um, okay. speaking about our Medicaid and Medicare again. I think we left off, um, if I roll in, Part B, if I'm a retired federal employee, you answer that. Yeah. So, again, let's go back, and I think a lot of people don't understand this because I didn't. How much is the late enrollment penalty? I think you said something about 10%. But how does that really, again, work? Like, Okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, say, for instance, now, I think the premium for this year is uh, for Medicare Part B. And then I'm gonna look that up for you right now, because it just changed it. Mm, that's another thing changes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, last year it was 183 for. Um, well, that was the Part B deductible. Okay. Mm. Okay, and the cost of Medicare Part B. And also, I usually have that note with me. I just wanted to make sure I give you the right answer because of that penalty. I say, for instance, okay. you wait three years. It's 10% right. each year. So that's how that works. Okay. 10% each year under Part B. B, right. And in some cases, if you have to pay Part A because you didn't work enough quarters, it's the same thing. You you have to pay uh, 10% too. In most cases, Part okay. A is going to be given to you because most people work those quarterly, those hours. But in a lot of cases, there are some people who don't, and they have to pay like four hundred, uh, almost $400 per month. Right. Well, okay, we talked about A, we talked about B, we talked about enrollment. How does Part D play into this scenario? Okay, sure. Part B, Part D is um, your prescription program, and okay. that was enacted by Congress underneath the Bush administration. And what it does is available. There's two ways you can get it. Uh, it could be a standalone program where you have Medicare Part A and B, and you say, I don't want Medigap, I don't want um, um, a Medicare Advantage program, that so you can buy a standalone program from, like, say, for instance, Blue Cross or Blue Shield, as an example, and get that. And then they have fees, they have deductibles that you have to abide by. Now, the other way 
is that sometimes people will buy Medicare Advantage programs, but they don't have a prescription program. So you mm-hmm. can go get a, a standalone program as well, too. So you can do it that way. Uh, now, if you have a Medicare Advantage program, in most cases, they're always going to have one built in for you. So that's how that works. So it's prescription program. Oh. So you have to get with the company to uh, see what the deductibles are, what's included in the formulary list, because it varies from company to company. And there's so much variation that it's hard. I couldn't give you an example because each company does things different. But you do have two tiers, though. You have like a tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, in some cases tier five. Tier one is probably your cheapest. That's your generic drugs in most cases. Tier two is probably still a generic drug, um, but tier three might be some name brands. And tier four are like the types that you may have to pay 50%, depending on what it is. And tier five may be you have to pay a lot larger, depending on what it is. And it's most like your, your experimental drugs. But in your case, in the case, you have to get with the company, and they'll explain what the formulary is, what the tiers are, what drugs are. And you can look it up to see if your drugs are covered. Okay, well, like I said, uh, I have a drug that I have to take. I'm not supposed okay. to be taking generics, but somehow or another, as through the years, they have made that drug under the formula of being generic. But still, it started out being $800 for 30 pills. Okay. Now it's $90. So I think that played in with that under the D. Yeah. Oh, in that case, I would like, who in the pro- world could afford $800 for prescription? Right, right. And, and a lot I of times you have to some of these drugs, they, they, they become off patent, and a, a lot of the generic firms will start making generic um, brands of that and everything, too. Right. I will say one thing about your situation and other people's situations. In a lot of cases, a lot of people don't realize that they might be able to qualify for extra help programs through the federal government or the state and which will help them pay for their prescriptions. And it's based on incomes. I think sometimes the state may be a little bit more lean than the federal government, but you have to check your own individual uh, situation. You can go talk to Medicare about their program, and you can talk to your state about their program. Hmm. I called Medicare, which uh, they have so many prompts, you know, you could take your year to get somebody. But anyway, uh-huh. cause I had called when, when the uh, cost had gone up, and I was asking if I dropped. Okay, I said, I have Medicare now. And okay. I was saying, do I need to do anything else? That's just a general question that somebody may ask. Okay, yeah. In that case, if you're happy with Medicare by itself, you don't want anything, fine. You don't have to do you know, do anything else. But if you want a little bit more coverage, it might, you might want to take and investigate the Medigap programs or the health advantage program, Medicare Advantage programs. A lot of cases, I meet a lot of people that don't want to do the Medicare Advantage, they rather do the Medigap programs. And here's the thing, if you're just turning 65 and you want to get a Medigap program, then that's what you call the open enrollment period, and they cannot deny you. But as you get older and you didn't get one, they can medically underwrite you for those Medigap programs. With the Medicare, uh, Medicare Advantage program, there is no medical underwritten. They must accept you unless you have end-stage renal disease, which is a kidney disease. That's the only way you cannot be um, you can be turned down. Repeat that again. Okay. 
with the Medicare Advantage programs, if you have end-stage renal diseases, they can they they will turn you down because that's something that the federal government uh, has mandated, and that's other programs that the, um, people can get. But end-stage renal is like a um, kidney disease, like you lost your kidneys. They won't they won't accept it. That won't Medicare Advantage and Medicare won't accept that, right? Hmm. Strange. Okay. And that's the only medical condition that's like that. I'm trying to listen very, very intently because I hear a lot of people tell me when I tell them how much I have to pay for my uh, prescription and for the doctor's visits, you know, and then for the different services. They say, oh, I only pay $5 for copay. Somebody said, well, I don't pay any. How do they get, and they said they have Medicare. How do they get to that point? Okay, in a lot of cases, well, some of those people, I don't know the individual situations, but a lot of cases, they may also not only qualify for Medicare, but Medicaid. And that's what you call your dual eligible uh, population, where the income is at a certain level that they qualify for both. Oh, so that's okay. The case. Yeah, and Medicaid will become the... Um, will become the primary, and Medicare will become secondary. So a lot of cases when people say, well, I don't pay anything, that's true, they don't. And they get a diff- different type of prescription program and those type of things. And that's, so that's based on income or something like that? Yes. And that's strictly oh. income-based. Hmm. Okay. How often can I change Medicare plans? Or can you change a Medicare plan? Oh, yes, you can. And normally what you do uh, outside of special enrollment period, during the uh, open enrollment period, you can change the Medicare plan. And open enrollment is October the 15th through December the 7th, where you can make changes. You can go to a Medigap program if you want to. You can go back to um, – you can get a Medicare Advantage program if you want to. Or you could just disenroll in the med- from a Medicare Advantage program and go back to original Medicare if you want to within that period. So you can make changes within that particular period of time. There's also, uh, since we're on that subject, a disenrollment period as well, too. Uh, say, for instance, you decide that you signed up for a Medicare Advantage program, but you decide, I don't really want this. There's a period between, uh, let me get the dates for you on that. I know the end's February the 14th, and I think it's January the 1st to February the 14th. You can actually disenroll through, um, from, yeah, uh, January the 1st to um, February the 14th. You can disenroll, and you can go back to original Medicare. Oh, okay. But we have to look into that because that's something you would have okay. to look in and understand the, the, the procedure for that. Another right. thing, on the lighter side, we were all at dinner uh, over the holiday, the Easter holiday. <laughs> and somehow the subject got to mental health for some screen, because I think some people, when they get older in your family, you think there's something wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> so does Medicare, and we just jokingly said back in maybe the 20s or 30s, you could, if you found somebody that looked a little mental, you could get $40 if you had them committed. <laughs> so how often can does Medicare cover mental health care? Okay, sure. Medicare does actually cover mental health care, and they do it in both Part A and B, and that includes okay. certain coverage for mental health care when it comes to um, 
uh, the Medicare assigned uh, providers. So what happens is, and you can also go online to find get some of the things that um, uh, that they do cover. But if you got to do inpatient, just like uh, part, uh, if you get sick, they'll cover the inpatient hospital mental care, including room meals, nursing, and other related services. And then they can receive a general hospital or a psych uh, psychiatric psych- psychiatric hospital. You can get all this from them. I'm sorry. And Medicare has mm-hmm. a limited uh, amount of 190 days for inpatient care. And that's the same thing if you got sick, too. It's 190 days and limited. And a benefit period, um, the day that you're admitted as a hospital inpatient, in 60 days in a row has passed since you have received inpatient care. Your Medicare Part A for mental health cost care. Uh, and what that is, I'm sorry, what that is is that if you go into the hospital, uh, that's a $1,300, $1,316 deductible, and that was in 2017. And then for the first, um, for your benefit period, and from day one through 60, you pay no coinsurance. And then uh, $329 of coinsurance for days um, 61 to 90. So that's how that works. It's so just like if you're in the hospital. And does that make sense? Did I explain that right to you? Yeah, but but the other okay. part of that was what I was going to ask. Let's say you just want to go and talk to somebody, not necessarily a psychiatrist, maybe an analyst or uh, a family uh, uh, counselor. Would Medicare cover okay. that? Yes, that would be covered under Part B. And okay. uh, Medicare Part B covers mental health services usually given outside the hospital, and that includes visits to a health professional, such as a doctor, yeah. cl- um, clinical psychiatrist, or a clinical social worker, and some other mental health services that Medicare Part B may cover, and things like annual depression screenings, um, psychi- uh, psychiatric evaluation, certain okay. diagnostic tests uh, your provider orders, and partial hospitalization, or group therapy as well, too. Oh, okay. I'm going to keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also do some medication we, as well, too, to help with your medication as well, too. Right. We talk about all the way through, very well done about the Medicare and Medicaid party, party, very, very, and people can go to the archives and listen to this all over again as many times as they want to. Uh-huh. The other thing we didn't speak about is that most people, even though they're retired, we're grandmothers, we have the government approval to use our grandchildren as us being a primary person in their lives. So what what is related to the coverage of, of CHIP or the children's uh, part of the insurance? Can they come under the, your Medicaid or Medicare program? Uh, no, not Medicare plan? so much, because Medicare is primarily something that you put into when you work. So the okay. thing is, is that you uh, you have to do 10 hours or 40 quarters. So that's something that they put in. Now, CHIP, I'm not too familiar with that, but I think that's more on the Medicaid side where it's basically based on okay. income. So what they'll do, they have to go to the social service work, and then they can explain, explain that program to them. Right. Okay, let's say uh, there are other certain things that we might need under Medicaid. Medicare that we have contact numbers for can you find where can you find all that if you need a dentist an ophthalmologist a chiropractor we could get still get those services under Medicare 
no, not the dental and, and vision. I think there's certain things the chiropractor, and I have to look that up, but I think there's certain parts of chiropractor that may pay for, but I'll have to look that up for you. Now, here's where the advantage of Medicare Advantage programs come in, because a lot of cases, they will offer those services. They will offer the dental, okay. they will offer vision, and they will offer chiropractor services. So that's something that if you want those things, you might want to investigate a Medicare Advantage program. Oh, so I have to make sure that our listeners pay close attention to that, because even though some of us are retired, we're not old and decrepit or anything, but we would like to keep up our health by preventing Right. And these are some of the things that I was wondering, did Medicare actually cover? Right. So they do. Right. And like I said, they, they, yeah, they won't cover the dental vision. And a chiropractor, I have to look. I think they do, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And I can get back to you on that. Uh, the you only know, time sometimes they do have problems, problems with our knees and our back and, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I think that the only thing that Medicare covers towards dental is concerned is emergency. If you got into an accident and your teeth got messed up, they will cover that. Okay. What we're going to do right now... Uh, Derek, is we've got to go over some things that you said. Number one was how you get the questionnaire for the initial enrollment. That was one eight five five seven nine eight two six two seven. And most importantly, what? if people still have questions, where can they reach you? Give us all that information, okay, they email, can reach telephone me at number, and whatever. Okay. Seven four nine five four four nine. All right. Any email? An email that can reach me at dcamper at o8marketing1.com. Okay, let's repeat that one more time. Your full name and your telephone number and the email again. Okay, sure. Derek Camper, and they can reach me at 1-800-749-5449. And my email address is dcamper at o8marketing1.com. Excellent. Okay. Gary, oh, and I, just want to give I you want one. to say, go ahead. Oh, I just want to give you one more number for you, uh, people who are hearing impaired. Okay. And that's one eight five five seven nine seven two six two seven. That's the Medicare. Okay, ear impaired, real fast, because we've got another show coming on. I want to say, hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, ear impaired, and that was real fast. Oh, oh yeah, one eight five five seven nine seven two six two seven. Thank you so much, Derek. It was a wonderful show. I'm going to tell you about the end of Friday or Monday how you could get a copy of this. Thank you so much.